This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. The episode you are going to hear today is a live webinar that Jay Papasan and I hosted last week around finding your focus and cutting your stress. It seems that so many times, especially this time of year, mid-year, things just get a little crazy. You know, there are goals that we are ahead on and we have the opportunity to think bigger and achieve so much more. There are goals that we've fallen behind on and we really need a way to put a plan in place to make up the gap. And then sometimes life throws us these curveballs that we didn't see coming. And before you know it, we are struggling to find clarity. We are dealing with overwhelm. And in the midst of all of that, there is one thing that we can do that makes everything else easier or unnecessary. It's the idea of pressing reset, reflecting on everything that's happened, evaluating where we stand in relation to those goals, simplifying our life. Most people think we actually have to do more to make up the gap. It's actually about doing less, but figuring out what are the things that you can actually cut out of your life so you can recommit to what matters most. We establish brand new plans and then we time block those activities. It is very simple. And Jay and I are going to walk through what this has looked like inside of his life. We're going to walk through examples of how other people are doing this. This is a wonderful, wonderful episode. With that, we look forward to getting into this webinar on find your focus, cut your stress after a quick word from one of our sponsors. I feel really fortunate because I get the opportunity to work with so many amazing people in our community and our customers and get to be a part of their world. And they trust me with being a part of their goals. And more often than not, almost everyone is focused on health. And at the core of that is diet and eating a balanced diet. But eating this kind of diet, it's a huge time commitment and it's easy to get knocked off track. That's why it's so great to have a solution when you don't have the time to do the prepping and the cooking and the cleanup, but you still wanna eat healthy. That's why we partner with Factor. And Factor is chef-created, dietitian approved meals that are ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, there's no prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. The variety of different options and meals that they have is really impressive, but go see for yourself. Head to factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150 to get 50% off. That's code 150 at factormeals.com slash 150 to get 50% off. Jeff Woods here with Mr. Jay Papazan. Thank you for joining us on this live webinar on how to find your focus and cut your stress. Uh, we just had a little leading up to this with some tech challenges, just throwing a little curveball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, Jay, give us a sense of what, what is it about this time of year that the idea of a reset and finding focus and cutting a stress, why is that so relevant? Well, I mean, one, we kind of designed this into our year. When we look at the mid-year point, it's a natural point of the year. We're coming up mid-year on how are we doing this year? But it's also compounded by the fact if your parents, you've got kids, your school's winding down. If you've got little kids, you're like, I know that stress of running around trying to find camps to line up all of their summer. And there's also the kind of stress that comes from the fun stuff, yeah. right? You've got family vacations planned. That means you might be taking time out of work. And I don't know about you, but if you're planning to be gone next week, that means this week and the week after vacation are going to be extra stressful. So it just where a lot of things kind of like this time of year and Christmas, right? Mid-year and year-end, 
um, tend to be when a lot of these things come out of sideways, right? A lot of extracurricular activity, a lot of activity at work, and it just adds up to a lot. Yeah, yeah. So for for people, actually, for for those of you who are with us live, how many of you are familiar with what a reset is? If so, again, go ahead and put me in the questions box. If not, go ahead and do a question mark, and Kaylin behind here will give us a sense of what that looks like. Sounds like the majority of people are familiar with this idea. You know, this was something that a little over a year ago, we were sitting in this office and having a conversation about what do we do to really serve people at the highest level. And we, every year we set our goals. Yet by mid-year, so many of us, were, we tend to fall into one of three buckets where either A, we're crushing the goals that we had set and we have an opportunity to think bigger about what's possible in our life. Some of us, we've set goals that matter to us and we're behind. And instead of just hoping that we will make up the gap, which hope is not a plan, we actually put a simple plan in place. And for some of us, sometimes life throws us curveballs. And what we thought were our priorities are no longer valid. And we just need to seek and find new clarity. So how do we become the type of people who at any point in the year, especially a natural point like mid-year, can press that reset button so that we reflect on everything that's happened, evaluate what's working, what's not working, and simplify our approach so we can establish a new plan and time block the, the actions. Cool. You know, it's like um, one of the things I think is funny about what you just said is the reality is we're one of those people where either like way ahead or way behind or we don't know. And you ask people, Jeff, how are you doing on your goals this year? Amazing. Right. Most people, good job. Thank you. Prepare you for that. Most people are always going to think of what they're doing right. And it really takes a second. That's one of the parts of reset is let's go back and remember what did we say we were going to get done this year? And if you're not, living the rhythm of checking in with your goals and kind of knowing where you are and are on track. A lot of people answer that question kind of carelessly. They don't actually know the answer, but we tend to fill in the blank with whatever we're doing well, if we're in a good place, or we'll answer just the opposite if we're not in a a great place. But more often than not, I hear people say, great. Mm -hmm. And if you ask them to prove it, I don't think they could. Now, here's what's kind of interesting about this. Like He asked me off the cuff. He didn't prep me that. I just enthusiastically say, amazing. Yet if we actually whipped out my 411, if we looked at my goal setting in the now, and if I had to isolate the single most important goal that I set for myself this year, which is 36 date nights with my wife, right now we're at 10 when we should be at 18. So I'm actually behind on, if there's only one goal that I achieved this year, I'm actually behind yet. I so enthusiastically said amazing because I feel like that's what we're supposed to do. You did bail on me Monday night so you could hang out with your wife. So you're right. Kudos for that. You're you're my second thing. There we go. There we go. So I, I'm curious, uh, when you think about the goals that matter most to you, if you had to isolate the number one goal, if you could only achieve one goal between now and the end of the year, I'm curious, what is that goal? Put it in the questions box and then share. Are you ahead? Are you on track? Are you behind? Are you just unclear? Let's get a sense of where people are in the community. Now we can see it. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Here we go. Getting organized. Thank you, Denise. Thank you, Denise. Yes. Unclear. Yep. On track. Good job, Sean. Unclear. Behind. On track. Totally behind. <laughs> Thank you for the enthusiasm, Frank. That's awesome. There you go. A lot of people are unclear. Some people are behind. Some people are on track. It's a, it's a good mix. It's kind of what we experienced. Someone very specific. 70 transactions ahead. I think that is they, Stephen, but it's moving on. They must cool. be doing a 411. Yes. All right. So, Jay, I, I want to go into um, 
real world examples of what this really looks like, because we can talk about in theory, the idea of pressing reset, but talk a little bit about Andy Grove. Okay, this is fun. Um, so this year, I think a lot of you might know our company um, has undergone a massive reset, right? You're so, talking about Keller Williams. Keller Williams, right? So the company I'm a part of, Jeff's embedded inside of, has gone through a massive reset in an industry that's being kind of reinvented as well. And so one of the stories, and I got you to read the book too, um, it's in the book OKRs by Jonathan Dewar. Me- measure What Matters. Measure What Matters uh, by Jonathan Dewar. I'd read it before, but it was a great reminder of what real leadership looks like when you sit back and go, how are we doing? So this would have been, I don't know the year, 70s maybe? I don't know. Andy Grove was kind of a legendary CEO of Intel. And his right-hand um, person, his chief of technology, was Gordon Moore. And if you know anything about technology or maybe just a little bit nerdy on that end, you know what Moore's law is. And it's this idea that every two years, processing power doubles. That's who Gordon Moore was, right? So they're both legendary people. They have things named after them. And But at the time, I didn't, I didn't know this until I read the story the first time. Intel wasn't in the processor business. What we think of as Intel inside now wasn't their business at all. They were doing memory chips. And memory chips were becoming highly competitive. So their margins were shrinking. Um, they were losing their, some of their supply chain. And Andy Grove turns to Gordon Moore and says, Gordon, if the board were to fire us today and bring in a new leadership team tomorrow, what do you think they would do? And without any hesitation, Gordon said, well, they would get out of the memory chip business and get into the processor business. And Grove just said, okay, so why don't we leave the room, fire ourselves, and come back and do just that? And what I love about that story is it's a willingness to disrupt yourself. So at the time, they were number one in the memory business. They were by far the industry leader. That was what they were known for. Even though most people don't know that Intel was in that business, they were completely willing to abandon what had made them a juggernaut so that they could become the company that they were going to become today. And that's like a moment in time. It didn't happen in June. I can't, well, I don't know when it happened, but it happened. But it was your willingness to sit back and ask the question, do I have an honest perspective on how I'm doing in my business today? And I would say it doesn't apply to business. Can I get an honest assessment on how I'm doing in my marriage, on how I'm doing with my health? And that's what that question did. You know, if they fired us and brought someone in new, someone showed up with fresh eyes. Here's your question. If someone showed up in fresh eyes and saw how you worked or how your business operated or the food that was in your refrigerator, right, or looked at your calendar and how you invested your time, what would be the first thing they would change? I'd actually love to see that answer. Go ahead and put it in the box, in the, in the question For box. Which one, the refrigerator or their calendar? or Whichever one resonated with you. If somebody looked at your life and they looked at everything, what is the one change they would make immediately that you are not currently making? Uh, more, you need more sleep. Calendar. My Get rid of sweets. <laughs> Get rid of sweets. My time blocks for the week. Okay. What's cool? All right. So I love about this setting priorities. Calendar. Like, if you ask the question, I'm guessing that most of you, like, you know your answer from the speed at which those answers are coming in. Yeah. You kind of know the answer. So why don't we ask that question or questions like it more often? So I think that one of the things that the beauty of the idea of just resetting, and we just arbitrarily said, let's do it in the middle of the year. And what I like about that is we still have a lot of runway left in the year. So even if you're way behind or you're going to completely change your goals, right now today, you got more than six months to hit them. And I know this and you know this, when people really get focused and they make 
their life centered around their one thing, they can make really huge changes in that amount of time. So that's the exciting part is we still have a lot of runway to make 2019 amazing. And we can do it first with a mental reset, right? You got to be willing to shift. And then you have to step back from your business and say, hey, your life, your business, your diet, and say, what needs to actually change? And then we have to actually take action on that. Yeah. And and so we want to make this interactive. So mm-hmm. y'all are here and you've invested the time to be here live. Go ahead and put questions in the questions box as they come in and Kaylin will will flag us and we'll we'll have a great dialogue around this. So yeah, what are what question we have? What what questions do you have around this idea of resetting? And you know, remember the goal of this whole thing is about how do we get more focus and less stress? And I think that this is the key to it. A lot of times, I don't know about you. When I'm not clear on where I'm going and how I'm doing, I'm clearly not focused. And it actually creates more stress in me as I have more and more competing priorities. Yeah, yeah. When we look at the the acronym of RESET, I walked through it quickly earlier, the idea of reflect, evaluate, simplify, establish time block. My favorite part of that is the S for simplify. I, I feel in my personal experience and just from seeing this in the community, so many times when we feel like we are behind, we tell ourselves the story that we have to do more to make up the gap. But extraordinary results is not about doing more. It's actually about doing more of what matters most. So in the in the middle of the year, or anytime you need to reset, the idea that we can look at everything that's on our plate and cut a tremendous amount of it so that we do recommit to that 20% that's going to generate the 80%, that's where extraordinary comes from. What's what's a real example of what this is looking like, whether it's inside of KW or inside of your life? Um, oh gosh, name one. I mean, I, I was mentioning earlier, like we're inside of an, a company, Keller Williams, that happens to be inside of an industry that's going through a lot of change. And so the companies who will move forward um, are the ones that are going to be really focused on managing that change best. So right now on a day-to-day basis, we're being asked as leaders in this company to be operationally, from an operational discipline standpoint, are you actually focusing you and your people on your number one objective? And are we saying no to the stuff that maybe we've done forever, but we really don't need to be doing? And so as a group, I mean, we spent the last few weeks getting very, very clear about what matters for the next seven months and what doesn't. And we're very, very focused on living that. And I've never had to live it as hard as I've lived it this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of where we are right now in this point of time. So all I can say is on a professional level, on a personal level, I'm definitely experiencing this. And I've you know, I worked with Gary a long time. We definitely get to go through this. But Right now, at this point in time, a lot of us are experiencing this pretty acutely. So I think this is a perfect example because just knowing behind the scenes what's happening inside of KW, knowing what's happening inside um, of your life, inside of Wendy's life. Ryan asked a great question, was this when you need a reset in multiple different areas, we know it's sequential. It's not simultaneous. We don't reset everything. We start one at a time. How do you decide where to begin? Great question, Ryan. Um, I think it always begins with priorities. Right, so I, you want to say, "Oh, is where's the easy answer?" Go to page one fourteen in the book. If I had that graphic, I'd throw it up here. But basically, it's the seven areas of your life, and you know, we start with spiritual, we go to physical, we go to your personal relationships, your key relationships, right? Your personal life, your key relationships, your job, your business, your money. Spiritual, physical, personal relationships, job, business, money, and we thought they might be in that order. I think what you have to do is identify what are the areas, right, that you want to change. And either based on that arbitrary, that was our personal philosophy, Brendan, of you can only change one of those things this year, which one are you going to pick? Often we get to do more than one. 
in the course of seven months, right? It takes how many days to form a habit? 66 on average. Right. So we have time for probably, was that two and a half, two and a half left in the year? Yeah. So we still have more time to do that. Actually, yeah, two and a half, um, maybe a full three if we counted the days. So you still have time to build some really powerful habits to make big changes in your life, but you have to start with your number one priority. Yeah. And you know the answer better than most of us. Like if you really want to work on your health and your business and a personal relationship, chances are your number one priority probably lifts the other two more than you think. Yeah, I'm curious for, for those of you who are on your live, how many of you at the end of last year actually hosted a goal setting retreat where you did the goal setting the now exercise where you did someday five-year, one-year goals? If so, put yes in the questions box. And then second question, how many of you have a 411? Whether you update it weekly, but you at least have one that you've been working with on in some level this year, put me. So yes, if you've done goals to the now, me, if you have done a 411, and both if you've done both. Seeing the answers come in. Yeah, people probably typed me and yes, and now they have to say both. You're welcome. Just keeping you on your toes. There we go. Okay. So I remember for, for me, because I did uh, my hey, ref- Jenny. I did my reflecting plan after May going into June in my in my planner. And just really, I took a, t- a chance to... Right, so for people who don't know what you're talking about, what's a reflecting plan? Yeah, so inside, we, we want people to have a relationship with their goals. We're really great at setting them, but sometimes we set and we forget. So how do we have a relationship with our goals to the point that on a regular basis, we're dating them and asking how are we doing? And if we're doing great, we're imagining what more we can do together. And if things aren't going well, we're trying to figure out how we rehabilitate that relationship. And so inside the One Thing Planner, we have these coaching questions that allow us to reflect and plan to build a strong relationship with our goals. So I remember as I was reflecting, I looked at my GPS, my one-page business plan. I looked at my goal setting to the now document. I looked at my 411 and just said, what are those goals that really still matter to me? And based on that, how am I doing? And then narrowing it down, if I could only choose one, what would it be? Which I shared earlier, number one goal for the year is my marriage. And the one thing for that is date nights. And the answer is daddy is not doing awesome there. So you canceled on Jay on Monday and you got back on track. Love it. I love it. No, I love it. And that's a good role model. And I think what we can do is simplify um, is and focus our attention. I think a lot of us start the year. I know I'm guilty of it. We say this is what we're going to do. And if we actually are honest with ourselves by March, we've added about five more one things to our plate. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why is it so? Why do we continue to say yes when we haven't earned the right to? Well, we know it's a thief of productivity. A lot of us struggle with the inability to say no. I also think that there's something psychological at play, the planning fallacy. I just think we all believe, and this is a real thing, that we can get more done in the time we have than is at all possible. It always takes longer than we think. So we, we think we're adding the next thing, but when we haven't done the first thing. And you look up over the course of months and they've started to pile up. Because as you started chasing those new things, you're neglecting the first things, and it doesn't actually get right, you know, wrapped up. It's a it's a symptom of multitasking. This is a really high level. It creates loose ends. Mm. You don't finish the things that you start because you're focused on new things, and then you look up and you got a list of twenty things. How That's many, my number one source of stress, by the way. I hate loose ends. How many of you did that just? Hit the nail on the head. You were just going, oh, that is me. So put me in all capitals with as many exclamation points as you feel compelled to share in the questions box. See the answer. So I feel like you would be doing that. Yeah. 
Well, okay. I'd have about five exclamation points. I can think of the times, the, the new shiny opportunities that popped up this year that when I sat down with Kaylin and she was just like, Jeff, we still haven't accomplished our one thing yet. And um, I share this with you because I want you to understand that uh, we're on our own path of mastery as well. We all struggle with this. And there's something great about that. So I know this and you, you hinted at it. Um, Kaylin, right, who reports to you has permission to put up a stop sign. Yes. And so I think that's really cool. I think if you communicate what your number one priority is to the people you're working with, the people in your family, and you're consistently, every week you communicate that to Kaylin, right? Yeah, we do a 411. Right. So you communicate it and she communicates it. What it, well, that enables us to do, because we're having a relationship, a public relationship with our goals, with the people that matter most, is they actually can call us when we're messing up. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said you were going to do this, Jeff. We still haven't done that. Mm-hmm. How are we adding to it? And that's very much the game we're playing right now. We're just mm-hmm. doing it at a really sophisticated level. You know, we know that we've got bandwidth in our business right now. KW Course Writing, the department that I'm working with, we can do X number of courses. Mm-hmm. If we want to add to it, we have to subtract something, mm-hmm. or we have to add more people to it. Yeah, and we're getting operational clarity around that. And what's weird is if you're not running a department with somebody who manages your spreadsheet. You don't always know what your bandwidth is, mm-hmm. but a 411, that weekly rhythm does give you some sense of that. And the people around you will call you on it. Yeah. Which for, if there's somebody who's listening to this later, who's going, you guys keep talking about a 411. What is that? Go to the one thing.com. That's with the number one in the URL. Click on the training page and under the basics courses, you will see one around the 411. It'll be a video that'll walk you through it and allow you to start doing it. Um, Frank asked a really great question, which is, uh, you know, someone once said to me, change the plan but never change the goal. You know, and especially in a culture where we talk about um, you set the goal and when you fall behind, the goal doesn't change, your activities change. How do we, when we are pressing reset, understand when we need to recommit to the goal and put a plan in place to make up the gap versus it's just a goal that is no longer a priority and we can cut it? Well, thank you in giving me the answer. My first question was, is it still a priority, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we're falling behind because we thought it was a priority but because it isn't really, we're not acting like it. I'd like to think that most of us understand that if it's a real life or death priority, we'll act appropriately. I know that doesn't always play out. And there's a lot of horrible examples we read about in the news. It's just fact. But the reality is, like, if it's really important, that's the first test. If it, the answer to that is yes, this goal is still my number one. And yes, I am behind. I then think, especially right now, we're just in June. There's no, there's no losing right now. It's just about how much we're going to win and how much effort we have to do it. This is when you have to reconfigure your weeks and your months. That's a big part of a formal reset is asking, if I'm really recommitting to this goal and I'm now three months behind, I have to go start canceling things. I have to now start decommitting from other commitments because while I might have been able to do both of those things before, if I'd stayed on pace, I now am behind pace and I need more time to catch up. And until you catch up, you just haven't earned the right to do those extra curricular things. Yeah. Gary's been great at role modeling that. And what's great about having an <laughs> assistant, well, I mean, I've had to do it a few times where you just go, if you had an EA, right, or until you do your, your own, it does ease the ability of saying, I need you to cancel everything on my calendar. And you just start over from fresh. And Gary's really clear about, I don't really care if I thought that was important last week and we agreed to meet for lunch. I'm going to cancel it if it's not important this week. 
And having that kind of clarity so that you're willing to start canceling things to get back on track, that's a, a life skill that we all need to be better at. Yeah. We'll talk to the people who are in a corporate environment where um, great if you're the business owner and you have an assistant, but when you work in a team and you maybe you're not the boss, the idea of just canceling everything, sometimes we have limiting beliefs around that. What should that language look like? I love the question, and it's probably a lot of people on this call are in that. And they, they don't have to be in a big company to feel like they don't have the power to control their schedule. Yesterday was in a good example. I had a lot of stuff on my calendar, and I ended up having to go to a funeral. No one complained that I told them that there was a higher priority. None of them. Um, and in fact, most people were super supportive. But the reality is most people actually are relieved when you give them their time back. Hmm. And we assume that, hey, I'm sorry, I can't do this meeting. We assume that we're going to be in trouble or get behind. But most of the time, the people we work with are going to work with us. So like, I was walking into the office. I dropped by one of the people I had to cancel. said, hey, sorry I missed yesterday. She said, oh, I totally understand. Okay, that was extraordinary. So can we talk about it right now? Well, we ended up talking for 15 minutes, and it canceled not only the hour we had yesterday, but the half hour we had planned for tomorrow. So sometimes we budget a lot more time than we actually need. So sometimes you can just go to those people and say, it looks like I'm going to be unable to make that meeting. Can I offer up some alternatives? Mm. What they need are alternatives, right? Um, I think I have a solution. Can we just take five minutes and see if that's not it and then get that time back? Sometimes we can negotiate it away. Sometimes we can just say, I'm unable to make it. Can we reschedule for next week? And I would say 50% of the time, people won't even ask why. You'll actually get relief if you're the only person in that meeting. Yeah. And then the other thing you can do is send a surrogate. You don't think that you have the ability to send your assistant, but I can say, Jeff, hey, I can't make this meeting. If you have free time, if you're always asking people to do this, they won't say yes very much. <laughs> but if it's a, something that you do for them and they do for you, it's like getting someone to take notes for you in class. Hey, I can't go. Can I get a copy of your notes? And if you're the person taking notes, what did you do? Paid attention. You paid attention, whereas you might not have paid as much attention because you knew that you were taking notes not just for yourself, but for that friend that couldn't be there that day. I think we're just, we get a little rigid. We're not stopping long enough to ask, what are the alternatives to me investing all of this time? Could I do offer up something else? And we could have a whole class on that. But there's lots of different ways to play that game. But the beginning is just getting out of the mindset that just because it's on your counter, it's immovable. Yeah. Now, most people will work with you and they might be relieved if you ask for less time to be invested or a different kind of time. So, so let's fly back up to 10,000 feet because sure. we've, we've talked about this idea that mid-year is a natural point, but it could be at any point in time mm -hmm. in the year, especially inside of companies where priorities shift and like you very likely need to in press. In companies, it happens like every quarter. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah, we're seeing it. So how do you, it's one thing to say, let's look at all the priorities. Let's find the ones that are no longer priorities and just cut them. But what does it look like when if you get, look at where you need to press reset? And you say, I'm doubling down on this one thing or these handful of priorities. And there are others that just, you're not going to be able to say yes to them. And you have been emotionally invested. It matters to you. It's painful to give it up. What does it look like to still cut it? It looks like leadership. I'll just say that. I think um, in your personal life and your professional life, leadership is just all about prioritization. And the Andy Grove story, right, Intel, they were stepping away from their number one status to enter into an industry that they weren't sure that they could win at. They could be like, we're celebrating them. We could right now be vilifying them because of the horrible, here are the two guys who destroyed Intel, right? Yeah. There's always that risk. And I think that a lot of times 
um, on a personal level, not professional. Like there's the risk professionally, you're impacting a lot more than just yourself, right? Your customers, um, the people who work with you, those are big decisions and they have to be made carefully. But I know one of the reasons I'm sometimes unwilling to abandon the work I've invested in a plan that wasn't working is I value the work I gave in the past and devaluing the work I can do in the future. And to mm. switch right now means that all that work was a waste. So what I tend to do, and this is on my bad days, is instead of saying, you know what, I need a clean slate, I need to start over and do it right. I'll keep doing these little incremental changes to my old plan, thinking that somehow miraculously it will change my results. Hmm. But it prevents me from saying, I screwed up. It prevents me from saying I was failing for six months. It prevents me from all of those emotional things that are real. They're real, right? I have been doing this activity for five years. I've got things in my life. If it's actually not effective anymore, it's become a part of my identity. People understand I'm the guy that goes to to breakfast meetings on Wednesday, right? I mean, talk a little bit about why that's leadership and understanding just mentally the mindset you have to have to make these types of calls. Well, self-leadership, right? Whether it's your personal life or business leadership, um, I mean, that's the whole book, right? I mean, are you leading your own life? Are you being, you know, drugged around by other people's priorities? So I think identifying what matters most and rallying yourself or others around it is the ultimate call of leadership. I wish I could defend it more definitively. Uh, but I mean, I know that those words came out of Gary's mouth and I'm not arguing with him, not because he's just the oracle and always right. Yeah. I mean, we wrote a whole book about it. Um, I don't think we just called it leadership at that time, but it is how you lead. As you tell people not just what to do, but what's most important for them to do for all of us. Is that always popular? No. No. Josh Team, my boss, president of this company, made an observation that he didn't anticipate in his new leadership position that anything he did pretty much was going to disappoint about 33% of the people. And that rings so true to me. It's like, there's nothing that you do as a leader of other people that's going to be truly universally accepted. Even if everybody applauds, there's still that group of people in the room that's either partially dissatisfied or fully dissatisfied and hiding it. But that is part of it. It's not, you're not trying to win the popularity contrast. You're trying to be productive. You're trying to give people priorities. Yeah. And so I just, let's make this practical and tactical for you. Sure. Let's reflect on your life right now. What are those things that you continue to do out of a sense of obligation? Whether you really enjoy it and you want to keep it going, or maybe you just put so much into it that you feel like you owe it to yourself to keep it going, and you understand that it's not the lead domino moving forward that's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary. To put it really simply, what are those things that you're doing that aren't truly serving you anymore? Mm. You have a way of making things simple. Well, I got to edit what you just said. That's good. You, you should be an editor. Kimberly asked, I, I have a challenging time still identifying what my one thing is. How do I figure that out? Okay, so there's a follow-up question she doesn't get to answer, right? But do you think she's talking about her, her one thing on a big scale or on a day-to-day scale? Like a one thing for a profession or for life? I think you should talk about the difference between those two because I don't think most people get, get that. Okay, so one of the biggest... Um, I'd say 80% to 90% of the one thing book is focused on the productivity portion of it, right? What's our one thing, especially around our business life? Um, What keeps us productive on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis? Most of us, I believe, intuitively know what that is, or it's easily found out. You can look at 
the weeks that you were productive and the weeks that you weren't and start looking at how you spent your time. That usually is a clue. Mm. If you can't figure it out, who's the top performer in your group? Can you look at how they're investing their time to get better results? And if that's not available, go to your manager. Say, hey, you're my boss. I'm struggling. Of all the things that you asked me to do, what's the clear number one? Mm-hmm. It sounds like, hey, I want you to tell me how to do my job. And guess what? That's okay. Because I know as a manager, what I want is not for people to be pretending like they know how to do it. <laughs> I want them to do it and, and to be successful. So on a day-to-day basis, that answer is usually findable. If it's not, if you don't already know it and feel guilty for not doing it, we can find out pretty quickly. Um, when it comes to your life purpose, um, I think I think 20% of the population is clarity around that. That's that was high. I think that was a group. It was an older study. We only found one. It was Vicky, and so she's probably cringing as I misquote her stats. But it was a, it was a, you know, think about the 80-20 principle. Like 20% of people did, and I think 80% of them were highly religious. Mm. And so the implication was that, you know, I'm here to serve God. And it wasn't in, in some of the more modern incarnations of my purpose is to serve people or whatever that those would all be related straight up the chain, in my opinion. But it isn't most people don't know. That would be my point. Yeah. So if you're part of that group that's unclear, um, when we talk about this and we've done whole webinars on it, and you can go find them on our YouTube channel about purpose, is you need to be thinking about the direction of it. Um, what are the things that bring you joy and, and fulfillment? What are those things that matter most to you that you're willing to make sacrifices? Those are usually clues at the direction we should be going. And most people don't really know the destination per se. Yeah. But directionally, we should be making progress towards moving towards that higher and higher levels of Maslow would call it self-actualization, right? My life has meaning because I do these things. Yeah. Your life doesn't have meaning because you're becoming something necessarily. You're becoming something because you've done something. And often that is coming from how you think too. Yeah. So just start walking down that path. So it's okay not to know your one thing on the high level, Kimberly. If you're struggling at work, then ask. Just ask. I bet you can get so close that you can get back on track pretty quickly. And I think the opportunity for people, because we've just seen this in the in the corporate training we, we're doing, is when people do isolate what they think is their one thing, it's usually a result that they desire. Which if you look at that graph of like the two-inch domino by the 18th domino knocking down the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the result is like the Leaning Tower. And even though it's already leaning and we feel like we should just be able to shove it and it should fall over, day after day, we ram our head against the wall and we wonder why it's not moving. And it's because we're focusing on the results we want and not the activities we need to take. Which in that moment, just keep asking the focusing question. What's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing would make accomplishing that easier or unnecessary and continue to ask it to the point that it is a two inch domino that so effortlessly with the flick of a finger, that thing would fall. Yet it's so powerful because your dominoes are lined up that everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. That's what it looks like. When we, when we go back to this idea of reset, think people get all right i want to sum up you just said a lot of stuff that was really pretty i want to make sure i'm, I'm getting you because i want to make sure because it's good so you got to focus on the activity not the outcome yeah and we can't go too far down the line let's go back to that smallest action we know we can accomplish so it might not be like if you are you know your goal for this year is to become a manager you need to step back and say what are the activities i need to do to get that promotion 
And then if that activity is do something four hours a day, maybe you're going to start by doing it for an hour a day or 40 minutes a day or four minutes a day. That smallest domino so you can start building momentum, you will, you'll get there faster. So think activity, not outcome, and start. If you really are having any doubts at all about your willingness and ability to do it day to day, start with the smallest possible domino. Yeah, it's just okay. Sometimes it feels like we're cheating when we go that small. We just we we struggle to really believe, or that it's going to take forever, right? That that four minutes could actually lead to something. But when you trust the domino effect, it's 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 amazing. Sure. It really is. Okay, what's up next? So I'm I'm hearing I'm putting myself in your shoes. Who's listening to this and going, okay, I get it. Um, I've analyzed how I'm doing on some of my goals. Some I'm doing well. Some I'm behind. Some I'm lacking clarity. I like the idea of pressing reset and actually simplifying my life so that I can focus on what matters most. How do I prepare for something like this? Well, I think the first one is if you're currently tracking your goals is to get a really honest look at that. If you're not currently tracking your goals, it's go take you know an assessment of how you're doing. Um, my wife and I were chatting about this. She's preparing to do a formal reset with us um, at the end of the month. And she's like, you know what? I've got to have an honest conversation with my business budget. I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off. And so tonight, right after we celebrate our son's 15th birthday, happy birthday, Gus. I know he's not listening to this, but he might hear about it. Right? And I like the high-pitched tone. That was good. Yeah, happy birthday, Gus, <laughs> right? Um, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to get together. And we're going to take a look at that because it's something that she knows that she doesn't have a complete handle on. And if she's really going to be reforecast for a business, your goal is profit, forecasting like where she wants to be at the end of the year, she's got to get a handle on where you are. So it starts with, in terms of where you want to be, can you give us an honest perspective on where you are today? And honest is absolutely what you need. And if you can't give that honest perspective, ask someone. I find that my spouse gives me a very wonderful, honest assessment of what I'm doing. <laughs> right? And maybe one of our colleagues that we trust and we know is going to come from a place of, I want what's best for you, can also give us that honest assessment. So that to me is the first step. Do you know where you want to go? And based on that, do you know where you are today? That's the to me, that's the fundamental groundwork. Because if you don't know what the gap between where you are and where you want to go, there's no way to determine what the activities need to be to get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think once you do that, the idea is that you then have to actually time block your reset retreat. It's it's we we love the idea in theory, but open up your planners, open up your digital calendars. When can you take a half day? a full day. A day and a half is how when we facilitate, we're facilitating at the end of the month. It's a day and a half long. Can you block that time? Just get it down. Don't worry about anything else, but actually reserve the space so that when other requests come up, you can just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got a commitment that day. Jeff, I don't have a day and a half. What are you talking about? Who has a day and a half? More people than you know. But if that's the case, what can you do? All right. I mean, the example, we're in budgeting an hour tonight. So if something is a lot of times we say, oh, there's no way I can do that. I get it. Let's go back to the smallest domino. Can you start with an hour? Right? A formal reset. We're just we're we're talking about the big and the small. You can reset anytime. Anytime you're starting to feel overwhelmed and behind, you can step back and reset your priorities. And it is all those steps we talked about, but it can start with just an hour. I hope, I mean, I try a couple of times a year, step back for at least a day, sometimes two days. Because we're trying to live the extraordinary. So I absolutely advocate for that. But if you aren't ready for that yet, um, I hope you are. Pick an hour and a half this weekend. Instead of watching TV, instead of doing something else, get permission from your family or whatever to say, hey, I'm going to go to a coffee shop. 
and I'm going to turn off my Wi-Fi and I'm going to go and I'm going to journal out where I am right now because that's the investment you have to make is stopping. You have to hit timeout, pause. And for us to do a real big one, like for a, it is a day and a half exercise. I get that. But if you don't hit pause at all and you can't see your way to get there, you'll never get there. Yeah. Because you you can't get, perspective doesn't just, it's not a road to Damascus. It doesn't just, the light doesn't open up from the heavens and give you insight. You actually have to stop and work for it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the tough truth is if you can't do a day and a half, I hope you can look forward. You got a month. Can you budget a weekend where you can really say, I'm really going to get back on track. I'm going to look at my calendar. I'm going to do these kind of reflect. I'm going to simplify. I'm going to go through the steps that we've blogged about, we've written about, we've shared online. At the very least, pick that one area that matters most. And start with a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Get clear about where you're going, where you intend to go this year, and where you are. So that gap will determine the activities you do and when you have to time block them. Yeah. You've given them all the ingredients, but there's the small scale and the big scale. I think um, you, you, you very enthusiastically focused on you have to stop. Yes. And, and um, I remember Keith Cunningham sharing, there's nothing worse than running enthusiastically in the wrong direction. And, <laughs> and that's what a lot of us are doing. We're just, we're so tied up taking action day after day after day, reacting to everything that's coming that we don't actually take the time to pause and actually evaluate if we're even going in the right direction still. Well, we talked about that in the one thing. And you know, we become that character in the horror movie that runs up the stairs instead of out the front door, right? <laughs> You, if you frantically get focused on activity instead of doing the productive thing. And sometimes the productive thing is just hitting pause and stepping back. And that stepping back is real important and just getting that honest perspective. How am I doing? Is this working for me? Because I'm coming home in the lather every day. Yeah. Right. Most people, if you're investing in yourself as a webinar, you're not afraid of hard work, but is the work working for you? We got about... 15 minutes or so change. Yeah. What are the, yeah. the other questions we can and, help and, people And for, for people to point you in the direction, for those of you um, that actually want to do this, if you go to the one thing.com, that's with the number one in the URL slash training, the one thing.com slash training, there's going to be a few options there. One, like you'll, you'll see at the top, you can click on the various things, click on events. We actually have a reset retreat that Jay and I and Kaylin are hosting here in Austin at the end of June. It's June 22nd and 23rd. That's doing it at a really high level where we're going to facilitate and you'll be in the room with us. If you can't make it to Austin but want the experience, there is a digital experience available. So we created that this year so that you can join in on that. Both whether you're attending or if you're doing the digital, we're going to have some preset live calls starting in the next week or so. So now would be a really good time to join on that. And if you're not ready for that level of experience, but you just want the basic model, we're going to have a small version course, a foundational course coming out. So under the foundational course section, you'll see something for reset there, and you can get on the wait list for when that becomes available. Is that our placement moment in the webinar? It was very well done. I like that. That was good. Kayla, can I ask you, can you put that link in the in the comments so everybody, if they didn't get it, they can, they can get it. That's great. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Brandon had talked about this idea of reset. Can you do it alone? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've done more of them alone than anything else. Um, I guess the question I have for you, Brandon, is do you feel like you're going to be honest with yourself? Mm. Um, if you feel like you're not going to be, because a lot of times it's hard to see what we're not doing. We need someone else's eyes. Do as much as you can alone and then present, hey, this is what I think I'm doing right and what I'm not. Can you give me some perspective? 
go to someone you trust and ask for a little perspective. They don't have to go off with you alone, but they can check your work. Yeah. Well, one of the questions just came in talking about feeling stressed. You know, the the title of this episode is Find Your Focus, Cut Your Stress. Talk, let's set some expectations about what the journey to cutting stress actually looks like. Okay. So this is a rude awakening. Um, (laughs) You're laughing because we both were surprised. But like, if you look at the flap copy of our book, it says reduce stress. And so when we launched our first course together, um, Unblocking Mastery, we truly believed that one of the things we would be doing is reducing people's stress. And so every week we polled people of what their stress level was and what happened. Well, it was multiple things. It was how much more in control of your time are you? How much more optimistic are you about your life? And how much have we cut your stress? And by the end of the course, people felt 2x, like they had at least 100% more control of their time. They felt 100% more optimistic about their life. And they were 50% more stressed. And we looked at each other and we went, what? what? <laughs> How can you have those threes going together? Like you can be optimistic and in control or stress. And so um, after a lot of thought and a few interviews, we kind of figured it out. Changing your behavior is stressful, right? So you were doing this thing and now you're doing this thing. There alone is stress. Behavior change is stressful. If anyone on this has small children, you understand how painful it is to change their behavior. Uh-huh. No, let's stop playing with gravity. Food stays on the plate, right? Oh. That conversation a thousand times, right? So behavior change for little people and big people is stressful. So I would just say it's an investment. Think of it as any investment. Right now, you hopefully you set money aside every month for your 401k. You understand if you're a real estate investor, the idea of a down payment, and that over time, that investment will mature. Right now, you're going to invest a little bit of stress to change your behavior, right? So you can alter the outcomes and that that will reduce your stress. So you're paying a little up front to get a lot less stress behind. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, the, the most honest answer I can give people is that to undergo the change you'll need to get the results you want will be a little bit of stress on the front end, maybe a lot for some people. But what you get in return is not only better results, but also less stress. I think it wasn't it you that that shared the you sat down with an astrophysicist or somebody who actually built rockets, and you you said what percent of a rocket's total fuel source gets consumed in the first two minutes? That wasn't me. That wasn't you. No, but what's the answer? I just wish it was you. Yeah. That, okay. The answer was. I like talking to smart people. Yeah. The the answer was seventy percent. Yeah. And when you think about a rocket that's going to. The moon and back, 70% of the total fuel source gets used in the first two minutes. Why do you think that is? It takes that much effort to overcome gravity. Inertia. And every single one of us is carrying around gravity of habits that we have formed over decades, consciously or unconsciously, things that we have done this year. And to overcome that is going to take effort and energy. But what happens when you get into outer space? Let me make that even more, right? So. That's a rocket overcome the inertia of standing still. Mm. Most of us are currently running full bore in the wrong direction. (laughs) So we have to overcome the inertia of impeding our current progress to then move in that direction. So yeah, we're going to use some fuel to do that. But what we get is that we get to then get to a place where those habits work for us and we have less stress. So no, let's go. Yeah, I love that. Um, Kelly asked a great question. What does a reset look like when you're ahead of your goals? Stop sandbagging, Kelly. <laughs> Stop sandbagging. No, I mean, that's really true. Like, what well, you have an opportunity now is like you thought it would take you X amount of time and resources to get to your big goal. 
and you're looking up and you're like, wow, I'm 50% ahead of my goals. My coach asked me this, is it time that we raise that goal? Is it time that we raise that goal? And sometimes the answer is no. Like I've been unnaturally fortunate, right, for the first six months of the year. But if the answer is, you know what? I don't feel like I've benefited from any massive luck. What I did was I mis- underestimated the impact of my efforts. So if you're intent on growing versus coasting, I would say raise the goal a little bit. See what's possible. Because you're not just working for a great year. You're working for a great career. And the progress, the extra progress you make this year just catapults you farther in the future as well. Yeah, well, this happened, it might have been two months ago when we were doing a 411. Uh, my second priority for the year personally was exercise. I set a goal to do 200 days. But you saw that I was outpacing that goal. And you're just like, dude, you got to raise it. And that scared me. But then it's the conversation of what's the purpose of a goal. It's not to achieve the result. It's to be appropriate in the moment to show who you have to become along the way. So the goal went up and it just meant that I had to be that much more diligent about time blocks and what I'm going to do. And I'll hit it. Maybe you need to make going to the gym a date with Amy. We started that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We already had that habit lined up in space. She is so impressed by Line my downward dog. It is so good. Oh, yeah. so it's yoga class? Uh, we started with yoga, then we did spin, and she stopped when I wanted to jump rope in front of her. Okay. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, Kimberly asked a question How can you distinguish between failing so slowly versus succeeding so slowly? Now, this is where you get to have your moment. Are we. Right, failing yeah. so slowly. Yeah, well, G- Gary we said, yeah, sometimes, Gary said, sometimes we are failing so slowly, we think we're succeeding. You know, you just ate the ice cream last night and in the moment it was great. But if you extrapolate that over time, not so great. But when you start, when you identify your one thing, you get that lead domino and you whack away at it, we expect the result immediately. But um, the result isn't always there. And so how do we begin to trust that domino effect? So how do we distinguish when we are failing so slowly versus succeeding so slowly? What do you think the answer is? I have an opinion. I think we are failing so slowly when we are reacting and we're succeeding so slowly when we're responding. There's a conscious choice behind it. Okay, but like I'm doing something. I'm, I'm building my business. And I can't feel like I'm making any progress, right? You think about that line of dominoes and it looks like it's flat for a long time before you hit that elbow. How do you know if you're on that train or if it's just going to keep going straight? I think asking the question and actually searching and extrapolating it out over a year, two years, five years, I think most of us can figure out what direction that's going to take us in. So, all right, I'm going to simplify that answer. Is that okay? You always do. That's why I like okay. it. I just think that um, a honest conversation about how you're doing, there is this look at my business. So hit pause. Step out of your business, spend a little bit working on it, and do a really hard, honest assessment. Am I getting a return on my investment here? And there is a reality, and I love that you're aware of this, that a lot of people quit right before they get to that magic. Mm-hmm. Right? I know in um, you know, direct response marketing, people will invest dollars and dollars and dollars. And any experienced marketer would go, hey, you're halfway there, and they quit. Right? They don't have the patience to wait for the results. So. Ask the hard question of yourself because most of the time, if we really are failing, we kind of know it and we just don't want to admit it for all the reasons I shared before, right? That means we do have to start over. That means that what we were doing wasn't working. But ask that if you don't know the answer, then I would say go to someone who's succeeding at a higher level and get them to weigh in. You'd be surprised for the price of a cup of coffee 
the advice you can get from people that are far more successful than you are. So if you don't think that just some time spent with spreadsheets or whatever that is, really, truly, honestly analyzing your business can give you the answer, then go to someone who you think can. And sometimes it might be a coach or a professional because there are people who have better perspective on your industry, whatever, your health, all of those things that can tell you, well, the reason you're spinning your wheels is, Jeff, you're doing the workouts, but your donut for breakfast is killing you, right? What you need is someone from the outside to see maybe not what's happening in the gym, but what's happening in the kitchen to give you perspective. So it always comes back to that honest perspective. Yeah, it's good. We- and he doesn't eat donuts, right? You're a bagel guy. No. You're a donut guy? Neither. Neither. You're healthy. Thank you. That's what I'm going to keep telling myself. Uh, We've talked about what this looks like when you are behind. We've talked about what a reset looks like when you're ahead. But what does it look like? Like one one person shared that they're really struggling to, they're just feeling so overwhelmed because they're in a new role. So life has thrown the curveball. And all of a sudden, all the priorities that were your priorities, no longer your priorities. How do you reset in the middle of all the overwhelm? I'm living that right now. Um, I think that now my biggest struggle in a new role, right? I got um, the day of my surgery where I was out for six days, right? And then out of the office for another six, I was asked to take over three departments and 28 new employees. And the first big struggle is in a new role, you don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to keep hitting that same thing. You're overwhelmed. Is it because you're having to do so many new behaviors and learn so much, right? It is that I am so far out of my comfort zone. And the reality is you might be growing at such a rapid rate, right? That like it's like a little kid. My knees hurt, dad. Why do my knees hurt? Well, it's growing pains, quite literally. You might be in that mode, but it also might be that you don't have an honest perspective. Like, are you is this a natural place to be? I would tell you most of the time, in the first 90 days of the new role, if you're really being challenged, you're going to be tremendously uncomfortable. You have to kind of make your peace with that. That means you're growing. So I don't know in that first 90 days, how can you get perspective? Go to your boss, go to one of your peers and say, man, I am drowning. Am I doing something wrong? Hmm. You know, Do I need to rethink how I'm doing it? Especially when you're new, people, hopefully you didn't get paid $20 million to do your new job, right? Um, you're there and people expect that you're going to have some struggles. You're in that period of time where questions are totally normal. And just be honest. I had that conversation literally an hour ago. Just told everybody, I am drowning on a daily basis. I am at the edge of my abilities. We have to make progress. Yeah. And it was just being transparent and honest. And I remember we... Nobody's judging me. Actually, I had one person, uh, thank you for being transparent. That's good. I remember at our reset retreat last year, there was a person that was in a similar situation just... Everything in their life had changed, and they were so unclear of what their goals even were. And part of this was treating their reset almost like a mini goal-setting retreat. We're not doing someday five-year, one-year goals. We're just narrowing the focus. How will we know when we are successful by the end of this year? What specifically would we have to accomplish this year professionally, personally, to really feel like it was a win and make the list and prioritize them? And based on that, Follow the rest of the framework where we're looking at everything else that we're, we've committed to and we're simplifying it, we're establishing the plan, we're time blocking it, and we're just moving forward. Don talked about whether we should be focusing on our professional goal first or our personal goal first. And if we don't do the personal, does that affect the professional? You know intuitively which ones of those, great question, Don, which one of those is a higher priority? Work on the higher priority. Um, in my experience, personal life is a higher priority. 
Um, people can have everything together at work, but if their home life is a mess, it eventually shows up at work and it might cost them their job. Mm. They're either so stressed out, they can't perform, or they just have to get out of that environment. So my experience is that personal tends to be more important. It's a foundational issue. It's your happiness. It's where your energy comes from. You may not get permission to work on that while you're at work, but it also might become the thing that you make your foundation. I'm going to make sure that this works in my life because it's a foundation for other things. Yeah. So the number one priority is the answer. I suspect it's your personal life. And the beauty of the one thing is we all have time to do more than one thing, folks. It's just about acting in order of priority. Yeah. What's, um, the, what's the thing that you will not fail to do is the question. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's talk next steps for the sake of time and allowing you to, to get to your next commitment. Uh, out of everything we've talked about today, please put in the questions box, what is the one thing based on this training you are going to do that would make resetting easier or unnecessary? Put that in the questions box. And while those answers are coming in, um, I'll share one more time. What? Get perspective. I'm giving them hints. That's the answer I want. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you for leading them, coach. Leading the witness. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and while those answers come in, if you would like to join us, go to the one thing.com slash reset. That will take you directly to the executive summary page. If you want to learn about the other courses or the other offerings, go to the one thing.com slash training. Okay, Kaylin, go ahead and start screaming some stuff out. Schedule the reset. Schedule. Their one thing is going to be the time block, the reset. I love, I love it. That. That's the timeout. Thank you. Yep, yeah. good. Start doing a 411. Awesome. Analysis of my business. Find my smallest domino. Have a conversation with my husband. I love the specificity on that. Yeah. Honest about my current status. So, folks, I think um, I hope that you will be the type of person that will actually pause. And if you don't have your answer yet, we'll search until you find one. That'll make this last hour a great investment of your time. So we thank you so much for, for being with us. We have another awesome webinar coming up next June. We're solidifying the dates and the guests as we speak. So an, uh, an email will come out giving you more information on that. We hope that we'll have the opportunity to see you in Austin, June 22nd and 23rd for our reset or digitally through the digital experience. If there's anything we can do to support you, please let us know. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. The webinar that Jay Papazan and I did on Find Your Focus, Cut Your Stress. I want you to imagine real quick if you became the type of person who anytime things in your life got just a little unclear, anytime you fell behind on a goal that mattered, anytime there were major changes, you stopped running and you pressed reset. You took time out of your daily life to really seek clarity and ensure that you are running in the right direction. And you put a simple plan in place, a plan that is so simple that you really felt like if you executed on that, everything would become possible. And then you opened up your planners and your digital calendars, and you actually time-blocked the activities to do it. What would your life look like? In Jay's words, said simply, Jeff, what would your life look like if you regularly reflected and put a plan in place? What would become possible? answer is everything, folks. This is about living a life of extraordinary results. And it starts by not just asking yourself, what's the best that I can do? It starts by looking out and asking, what's the best that can be done? And we can say to you that this reset model is that. So don't figure it out on your own. Whether you choose to join us in Austin or through the digital experience, or whether you just want to give it a stab based on this episode, will you be the type of person who takes action. So with that, let's ask the question. 
what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make pressing reset easier or unnecessary? And go take action. We thank you for being a fan of The One Thing. If you are new to the show, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device and it would mean the world to us. If you would think of at least one person that you can share this with, whether that be texting it to them, whether you go and grab their phone and say, you have to listen to this, please help one person this week by sharing these ideas with them. Thank you so much for joining us this week and we look forward to being with you in the next episode. 